0: Uh, For those of you who don't know me, my name is Matt Coyne. I'm the director of student ministries here at the church. Uh, If you ever see something broke in the church, that's normally my group who does it, so sorry about that. But before we start this morning, I wanted to uh, play a clip for you. Uh, If you could go ahead and start that. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Thank you, ladies and gentlemen. Thank you. You're a wonderful audience. Those were Pew and Carol, the two greatest contortionists in America today. (laughs) And now we like to introduce
1: Thing that happened to me <laughs> the lesson I learned tonight and the true meaning of friendship these people are my friends the friends of the friendless and I was friendless I was just a bit of flotsam in the sea <laughs> pitiful outcast shunned by my fellow man I was a mess. (laughs) The people I thought were my friends forsook me. Even my own husband. (laughs) Proved he was just a husband and not a friend. (laughs) Today was my birthday. And do you think anybody remembered? Nobody remembers, nobody did a thing about it, nobody even as much notice. Happy birthday!
0: Okay, so I wanted to show you that clip for a few reasons. The first is because it kept going through my mind the whole entire time I was repairing this. So you might be thinking, Matt, you're a little young for I Love Lucy, but believe it or not, I Love Lucy and Andy Griffith were my two favorite shows growing up. So that's why that kept going through my mind. The other reason is I'm hoping that maybe the uh, worship band will get together and go around looking for lonely people and uh, show them Jesus. But the real reason I showed you that this morning was because we're going to be talking about getting back to the basics of friendships and. I feel, the reason I like that is because I feel that God brings people into our lives. God brings people that he has ready for us pretty bluntly. Now, it might not be that bluntly, but I feel like sometimes we are so into our lives, so busy that we miss out what God is doing in our lives. If you weren't here last week, Pastor Steve kicked us off and talked about um, David in the Bible and talked about three friends that he had. And, how they were supportive to him, they prayed for him, they uh, were accountable. They were always there for him in different aspects of his life. And today we're gonna continue talking about friendship. We're gonna talk about, like I said, the basics and how we can rediscover the art of friendship. I'm not talking about Facebook friends, I'm talking about true connecting friendships. Friendship is something that you don't hear preached about often in church, but God places people in our lives to be influential, direct us in the right direction. And unfortunately, like I said, I feel like we don't listen to that. You know, we have friends in our lives that, you know, have a great walk with God or you know, are on the right track and we sometimes don't want to follow them because we're like, uh, they're going to they're going to tell me not to do something that I want to do because it's not right. So I'm going to follow this person. And then before you know it, you know, these people that God doesn't want you to spend life with, they're causing struggles and they're causing more destruction in your life than you can ever imagine but the right friends can set you up for success in everything that matters. And that's gonna lead me to our first point this morning, and Pastor Steve touched on this last week, and this is what we're really gonna focus on this morning is show me your friends, I'll show you your future. You show me the people you spend the most time with, and I'll show you the direction you'll head. Solomon actually said this in Proverbs thirteen twenty. It says, walk with the wise and become wise. For a companion of fool suffers harm. And again, walk with the wise and become wise for the, a companion of fool suffers harm. What Solomon is saying here is that, again, if you hang out with the wrong, you know, if you hang out with, I'm sorry, with people with great marriages, they're good with finances, they have an amazing walk with Jesus, they're always looking for how they can strengthen their relationship with Jesus, that's most likely the direction you're gonna head. But if you're hanging out with people with struggling marriages, that they're terrible with money, or you know they don't have a walk with God, that's most likely where you're gonna head. You know It's so important this, to know how this community of believers, and we're gonna touch on that some next week, but today we're gonna focus on how we can even get to that point, to have that group of friends, that group of believers. While I was preparing this message, I thought of times in my life that I was successful, times that I'm like, you know, I was real close to Jesus. It, it was a mountaintop experience uh, for me. And I thought of, wow, well, I had a lot of friends in my life that were supportive, that prayed for me, that were there for me, that were accountable. And then I thought of times when, let's just say that, weren't really the best times of my life. And the friends in my life that didn't support me, they encouraged me, but they encouraged me to live like a knucklehead. You show me your friends, I'll show you your future. God uses the right people to influence you. Now, before we get into rediscovering friendship, I want you to yourself right now, think of your five closest friends. Now, don't count your spouse, because I hope he or she is one, and if they're not, then you have a whole other issue going on, but don't think, I don't want you to count your spouse, your animals, or any imaginary friends. Just your five closest friends. Now, we're gonna look at what friendship, say, or what the Bible says about friendship. In Proverbs 17:17, 17, 17, in the FBV version, it says, "A friend is someone you may or may not know. This person will accept your friend request and play Candy Crush on Facebook. This person was born to like your comments on your posts and to make you feel good about yourself. And again, that's from the Facebook version of Proverbs 17:17, 17, 17, and obviously, that is not what Proverbs 17:17 17, 17 says. What it really says, and the reason I say that is because Facebook has really defined what the definition of friendship is. What Proverbs 17, 17 really says is a friend loves at all times, and a brother is born for a time of adversity, which is difficulties or misfortune. Again, a friend loves at all times, and a brother is born for a time of adversity, like I said, difficulties or misfortune. A A friend loves at all times. So when you thought of your friends a couple minutes ago, the question comes up, are you hanging out with the right people? Are you hanging out with people that'll direct your life in a way that is pleasing and glorifying to God? Do you wanna get in better shape? Are you hanging out with people that think running is running a trail on a box of donuts, which by the way, we're having them after service, so you can go down and get some. Are you hanging out with somebody that you wanna get better with money, but you're hanging out with someone who are like, hey, these $500 pair of jeans are much better than the Walmart ones. You don't want the Walmart ones. Or are you, are you trying to have a better walk with Jesus, which I hope everyone here this morning, that's why you're here, because you want to leave here better understanding Jesus Christ, better understanding his love for you. But are you uh, hanging out with people that don't go to church, don't have a relationship with God, and, and haven't for a long time? So about those five friends you thought about. Who here could actually think of five friends? Five close friends. That's okay, don't feel sad, I couldn't either. So if you want to be my friend, you can. You talk to me afterwards. Um, Also, don't be sad because studies show that Americans have an average of two close friends. 25% of Americans can't even name one. And 25 years ago, Americans had an average of six close friends that they could name. I'm gonna give you a couple studies this morning because I wanna prove to you that friendship is declining and that we have lost the art of friendship. I don't know if this alarms anyone, but it should. God did not intend for us to do this alone. God intended us to be in a community of believers, in a a group of believers, and he puts people in your lives that are there to support you. Like I said, obviously you can see that's what we're getting at this morning. So this raises the question, why are friendships declining? And here are three reasons why I think they're declining. Now, this Two of them are kind of, you're gonna be like, why, why do you put that? And you know, I researched them, and I'm gonna give you some studies why I did that. Um, and then the other reason is pretty self-explanatory. So the first is increasing work hours. And again, I have a study for this, don't worry. A study done by the Labor Department shows that full-time employees work an average of 47 hours a week, which is up one and a half hours from 10 years ago and five hours 20 years ago. My wife Brittany and I together, we work 120 hours a week, and Brittany has told me multiple times, she says, I don't have any time for friends. My best friend lives like an hour away, and I never get to talk to her, I go, well, you have me, and she normally cries and walks out of the room, and that's about the end of it, (laughs) but we really do talk about how it's so hard because her job is very demanding. They make her work 45, 50, 55 hours a week, and Brittany People tell her, they're like, well, just go to them and say, hey, can I work less? And Brittany laughs and goes, well, I'll do that, but I'll be working zero hours a week because they're gonna fire me. Work these days, jobs know that it's harder to find jobs and and they also know that if, if you're not making us happy, we can get rid of you and people know that. So what happens is that extra five to 10 hours a week that you're working is taken away from your family, so obviously you wanna hang out with your family and then that's taking time away from your friends. So like I said, the first is increasing work hours. The second is rising divorce rates. Now this one is, I wasn't really sure if, if I wanted this as a reason, but I put this because this one I spent a lot of time on. I looked at different studies. Some are actually saying it's decreasing, and some are saying it's increasing. So I'm like, okay, so I looked into this a little bit more, and the more reliable ones are definitely saying divorce rates are increasing, and I, I read this one that, well actually I read a couple that said this, that they're saying that some of these studies are showing that divorce rate is decreasing because people aren't getting married to, these days, they're just living together. But then when they break up, the consequences are about the same as a divorce. And you may be thinking, well Matt, how does rising divorce rates cause broken friendships? And what happens if you've never been, um, you know, if you've been, never seen a divorce happen, that everything gets split, even friendship. So if, the, if you're friends with a couple and the wife sides with the wife, obviously the husband cannot side with the husband, so there's a broken friendship and vice versa. Now the third reason is the main reason, and we're gonna talk about this a little bit more, and we're gonna talk about this, we talked, uh, Pastor Steve talked about it a little bit last week as well. The third reason is the explosion of social media. Social media is an awesome thing. We use social media at the church for, Uh, to stay connected with people. And we even use social media to show people Jesus. But social media has redefined friendship. For example, 15, 20 years ago, I went or woke up in the morning, made myself a bowl of oatmeal, taken a picture of it on my Polaroid, and called my friend and be like, hey man, guess what, I'm eating oatmeal for breakfast. I took a picture of it, I'm gonna bring it over. If you don't like it, we're no friends anymore, I'm gonna, def- I'm gonna de-friend you. And then hang up with that person and call 200 other people and tell them what I'm eating for breakfast. You just didn't do that, it's weird. Now, we just, we get up in the morning, we're like, oh, everyone's gonna wanna see what I'm eating for breakfast, let's take a picture of it. And then let's post it and then everyone's gonna like it and I'm gonna just love myself because I ate this. We're becoming obsessed with our online image. Instead of connecting with real, with real friends, we are broadcasting our feelings in 140 characters or less. You know, we also take pictures of ourselves, which is just fascinating to me because growing up, I hated taking pictures. You know, I, you take a picture, you take away the blemishes, you put what you like, you're like, oh, I look good. This, I'm gonna put this up there. And then the waiting starts, which is normally about 15, 20 seconds, that first like, and you're like, Ooh, oh, and then now they have hearts and they have smiley faces, it just gets better and better. I mean, people are so of themselves, it's ridiculous. You know, like I said, there's nothing wrong with Facebook, but it needs to be a supplement to friendship, not a replacement. People these days have hundreds of Facebook friends, but they're lonelier than they've ever been because you get this instant gratification of, oh, people like my stuff, but then that's it. You know, and you don't have these connecting relationships. And again, something's missing. Something is just not right. So we've defined friendship. We can agree that friendship is definitely on the decline. But let's talk about how to rediscover the art of friendship and what you can do to realize who God's putting in your life and who God has ready for you to be put into somebody else's life. And both of these are real, real simple. Both of these points we're gonna talk about. The first It's simple, be present. This is the biggest obstacle, I think, in in building real connecting relationships. We need to learn to build friendships face-to-face, not thumbs-to-thumbs. When Jesus called his disciples, he didn't say, I'm gonna give you uh, some information here and I'm gonna just go off by myself and you guys do what you want. No, he said, Come with me, let's minister together, let's eat together, let's support one another in community. Let's be present and available and be ready to do ministry together. Parents, we've gotten so bad with this. Kids are complaining more and more these days, more than parents are, about parents being on their devices. You know, whether that's your your tablet, whether that's your laptop, your uh, phone, or TV. They're complaining more and more and it's, it's pretty bad. Now, it's more than the other way around. I don't know if it's because you're on your devices so much that you don't notice your kids on theirs or if you're just so used to it. But, you know, TV is, is a big thing these days. My, my two-year-old daughter, Marabella, she loves her TV shows just like any two-year-old. And one show that she likes is Doc McStuffins. And if you've never seen Doc McStuffins, it's a real solid show, I suggest to turn it on. It's about this little girl who heals her stuffed animals. And just like any two-year-old, after about 15 minutes, she's, she's done watching it. You know, and then there's me over there. I'm just like. Like, hey, and then Maribella comes back. She's like, Daddy, Daddy, come play with Bella in Bella's room. And I'm like, honey, not right now. I said, Doc McStuffins is healing and Lammy. Don't you wanna see this? And she just shrugs her shoulders and walks off. And you don't see what you're doing until someone Tells you and is accountable. Normally, at that time, it's my wife saying, Would you go play with your daughter? And then I come back in the room 15 minutes later, and Brittany's going, I think she just does that so she can watch it herself. <laughs> being, being present is so important. You know, like I said, I'm the director of student ministries here. I tell my leaders all the time, I say, Be available, be affirming, and be authentic to the students. First is be available. That's the, the most important thing. If you come to youth group and you're on your tablet, you're on your phone, you're off in the corner doing something, how are you gonna ever connect with, your, with the students here? I mean, that's, that's our job is to minister to these students, to show them the love of Jesus. And if you come and you don't do that, what's the point of being here? Don't be afraid, parents, to put down your devices. In general, like we're talking about this morning, don't be afraid to put down your devices. Don't be afraid to take a break from that stuff so you can see what God's doing in your life. It's real hard to see that when you're enthralled with that. Hebrews 10, 24, 25 says, let us think of ways to motivate one another, to act in acts of love and good works, and let us not neglect our meanings together, as some people do, but encourage one another, especially now that the day of his return is drawing near. When is the last time that you got together with your group of friends and said, let's go make a difference, let's go show people the love of Jesus? Better yet, do you have friends you can do that with? You know, think to yourself: Do you have friends that you can say, "Let's team together and go show people the love of Jesus"? You know, presence is also—it doesn't have to be. Everyone thinks presence is—you always have to be on, you always have to be talking, you always have to be ready to talk to people around you. But you didn't, sometimes you don't even have to say anything. When I was in high school, every every uh, winter I went to a retreat up in Erie, and One year I was able to take a friend of mine, and that weekend I was able to witness to him, I was able to tell him about the love of Jesus, and I was able to tell Lenny that, hey man, like, God loves you so much. Jesus, he sent his son Jesus to die on the cross for you. A price that you should have paid, he loves you so much that he did that so you can spend an eternity with God. And Lenny and I sat in the corner on Saturday night, there was, it's a big gym, and we just sat in the corner and cried. And I'm telling you all now, if you leave here and say Matt cries or watching Doc McStuffins, you got nothing out of what I said this morning. But we sat in the corner and, and we cried and, and we prayed with each other. And about the, for the last two hours of the night, Lenny just poured his heart out to me. He told me that he was so ashamed of what he did. He told me that he didn't think Jesus, or that God would ever forgive him and that he thought that he was a failure. Just for two hours. And after he was done, he gave me a hug and he goes, Matt, thank you for talking to me. And I'm like, I didn't say anything, I just sat here. And he goes, it's what I needed, thank you. And I just want you to know that it's, you don't always have to be talking. You, sometimes just being present is so important. You know, not, like I said, not, not just physically, but emotionally. It's okay to miss the latest Facebook post on what Kim Kardashian ate for breakfast. The second thing is, is get open. And what I mean by this is society has become so dependent on controlling the conversation and not wanting to give much information and not show you're weak. You you don't want people to see that you're weak. You know, we've turned into a society that feels uncomfortable with face-to-face conversation, even on the phone. If you've ever seen the Charlie Brown Christmas episode where uh, Lucy, the little girl, is trying to figure out what's wrong with Charlie Brown and she goes through this list of phobias. Well, she can add this one now. Uh, it's, It's called telephonophobia. And this is the literally the fear of talking on the phone. It's the fastest growing phobia in America. And you gotta think, when the phone rings, what do you normally do? Ah, oh, don't wanna talk to him. Oh, message. Okay, hey, what do you want? You text them. You listen to voicemail and you text them back. Why? Because you can control a conversation. If you're on the phone with them, especially if it's somebody you like, kids, no, nobody. none of you, you're not allowed to date, stop that. Um, but, if, you, if there's somebody, if you wanna control that conversation, so what you do is you text back because you can control it. And if you get the phone call, listen to the voicemail, delete, don't wanna even talk to them. We wanna control it, and that texting helps us to be able to do that, that voicemail. You know, believe it or not, growing up and, you know, some of the older ones in here can attest to this, that my, my brother and I, we would fight to get to the phone to see who it was, because we were so excited. Now someone calls, it's like, oh, what'd I do? Why didn't they just text me? Why'd they call me? And also, people are afraid to say goodbye to each other. It's so weird, I, I see people all the time, no, you say goodbye, no, you say goodbye. No, it's like 15 minutes. Pastor Steve and I actually, um, we have this issue, me and him like to talk a lot, and when we meet, our, our meetings are normally a half hour, and our goodbyes last an hour. So we're having this issue with um, not being open, not showing our true selves. We wanna control what is posted on Facebook and through texting. You need to learn just to be open. In James 5.16, it says, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. And this is what this verse is talking about. If you're struggling with sin, it is a lot easier to tell someone so that they can be accountable for you, that they can pray for you. You're seeing a theme this morning that friendships are important in your walk with Jesus. Just remember, you may impress people with your strengths, but you connect with people through your weaknesses. Again, you may impress people with your strengths, but you connect with people through your weaknesses. And I touched on that in a sermon I preached last year in August. I know you all remember it, so I don't have to go over it. But little did I know that God was setting my wife and I up for a pretty big event in our lives. If, you, if you're not familiar, we have you know, we have our older daughter, Marabella, and our youngest, uh, Bray, was born this past September. Now Bray decided to join us a little early, and because of that she had to spend time in the intensive care, because she wasn't fully developed. Brittany and I had to literally leave our newborn daughter every single day of her life for the first 17 days of her life. And for you moms out there, you can probably imagine how hard that is. I had to watch <clears throat> sorry, I had to watch my wife cry every single night and it was so hard for me because I. it was hard for me to be in that situation and Brittany, I told Brittany, I said, I feel like we're always leaving one of our daughters for the other one. We were, we were dropping Maribel off in the morning to go see Brea and this, if you've never been in, inside of a NICU, it, it's, it's such a, I, I pray that no one ever has to, to have their son or daughter in there. I mean, we, we heard these babies crying for hours and hours. And I asked the nurse, I said, where are the moms? And they said, they can't afford to be here. They literally have to work so they'll come on the weekends. And that just killed Brittany and I. And I, and I told her, and you know, Brittany and I were very blessed that we were able to afford financially to go down and see Bray every day and to be with her and to cuddle her and to be the parents that she needed us to be. Brea came so early that we had nothing ready. We literally threw everything into a bag. I even had to throw a Christmas shirt in there from home alone that says Merry Christmas, you filthy animal. And I had to wear that the second day I was down at the hospital. And when I walked into the cafe, I was known from then on out as Santa Claus. But you know what's awesome, is God used people that are friends, our families, and people we didn't even know. Because every day I walked in there afterwards, the same people worked and they go, how's your daughter, when's she going home? You know, we're thinking about her, we're praying for her. And you don't understand how much that meant to me. A friend of mine, Jammin, who lives down in the Pittsburgh area, he knew that I didn't have much, so he went out to the store and he bought me a couple shirts and a couple other stuff. Like, I mean, we were literally, like, we had nothing. Um, She came, and she also came the day after a lock-in, so it made it even worse, so... um, after I had to go back to work after a week, Jammin would go down and sit with Brittany and have lunch with her and be with her. He wouldn't even say words sometimes. He would just be there for her. Brittany and I were overwhelmed because we weren't used to being in the situation. We always wanna be the people who help. You never wanna be in a situation where you need the help. You always wanna help people. And Brittany and I had to learn real quick that we needed to trust the people around us. Bray and I were overwhelmed by support and prayers and the we, love we received. People calling us, people saying, hey, you know, my son or daughter was premature. You'll be fine. They'll be fine. They're, my son's six foot two now. You know, my daughter, like, they're doing this, they're doing that. I know it's tough. Just get through this. And just when our hearts were, were overflowing, Pastor Bonnie comes up to me with a prayer quilt that a few of the ladies made and prayed over for Breya. And I took it home to, to Brittany and she she just went crazy. She's like, this is so hot. You know, it's hanging up now. And it, it's just amazing how God can use people in your lives. Talking about being connecting connected through your times of adversity. I could stand up here all day. I could do magic tricks for you. I could juggle for you. I could do all these things for you to be like, oh, wow, cool. But until me and you can connect, until I can see an area where I can be praying for you, an area where I can be you know, supporting you and be there for you, we're never gonna connect, and obviously vice versa. Don't be afraid to be open. Don't be afraid to tell your friends that you trust about your struggles, because if they love you and care for you, they will pray for you and support you. It's hard for us to ask for help or to accept help. I know that. Remember, though, think, I tell people this all the time, think whenever you ask somebody, hey, I know, you go to somebody and say, hey, I know you're, um, struggling, what can I do? And they say nothing. You think to yourself, hmm, I guess they really don't need me. Think of that. Because don't be so quick when somebody comes to you in your time of need and says, what can I do for you, friend? Don't turn them away. You don't know what God has planned for them and what God has planned for you in their lives as well. We were not created to be independent. We are incomplete without the body of Christ. He intended for us to be a part of the body of believers, not to do it ourselves. I wanna tell you all this morning that God has a plan for each and every one of you. Nothing in his miraculous, amazing, awesome plans is by accident. But you have to be open. You have to be present. You can't expect for God to work in your life if you're not open and you're not present and you're not ready for him to make a difference. You can't do it alone. You have to have people, a group of, fellowship, of a group of believers to help you out. Friends are something that I think we just don't think about. I pray that you find people in your lives that can be supportive, honest, dependable, prayerful, and walk with you in your walk with God. But most importantly, I pray that you lean on your best friend, Jesus Christ. The only friend that'll never leave you, will never forsake you, will always be there for you. The only friend, the only way to God the Father to spend an eternity, that Jesus Christ died on the cross, that he shed his blood for you, and he said, I love you so much and I'm gonna do this so we can spend an eternity in heaven together. Remember that old hymn, What a Friend We Have in Jesus. You lean on Jesus Christ, I promise you. You lean on him, you put your trust, your hope, your faith in him. He will lead you to individuals that will change your life more than you can imagine. You just have to be ready when some, you know, someone's going to be there to walk beside you in your times of adversity. I promise you. You show me your friends, I'll show you your future. Let's pray. Jesus Christ, we thank you for this morning. We thank you for bringing us here. We thank you for this time that we can worship you, that we can just be in your presence. Father God, I pray this morning. I don't know where anybody's life is, but God, you do, and uh, we thank you for that. We just, I just pray for any individual in here this morning that's struggling and that, they're, that they feel that loneliness, that they feel that they don't have anyone in their life to turn to. God, I pray that you put people in their lives to support them, that you, most importantly, Jesus Christ, that you, you came here to save us, that you are our Lord and Savior, and I pray that each and every one in here learns to lean on you first. Jesus, that you're the only way to God the Father, it, it has to start with you, and we thank you for that. We thank you for being here for us and never leaving us and never forsaking us. God, we just love you so much, and, and I do pray as we leave here this morning that we are fine, that we're being open, we're being present, and we're ready to see your plans in our lives, and again, that just starts with this commu- with you, and then it starts with a group of Friends, it starts with one friend first, though. That's what we we're talking about. Start with the basics and one friend. And we thank you for that. In your name, amen.